I know we're up to the part of the story, Ray, where we've got the uh, the Magi coming in. Is there a connection there with where they started their journey to where they ended their journey? You know, it really is. There's some profound things about the Magi, and I just want to remind you again, it's September 11th. You probably know that, and a day that for most of us for the last 19 years is that moment you stop, and you know, most of us know where we were, what we were doing, and uh, when I arrived at work that morning, I remember standing up there just livid watching the television in unbelief as I walked in the door just moments uh, uh, after, and, and it was... And uh, we came home that night. Our TV broke that day. And we ended up having to go to our neighbors who are from New York and watch on September 11th. So there's so many memories. Mm -hmm. But I asked Corey this morning, who's 25, I said, what do you remember? She said, just a lot of people being afraid. That's all I remember. Hmm. So you got to think most people in their 20s, just by virtue of what happened, you know, have no memory of this day and its tragedies. So we, of course, will be praying as we have already this morning for those who uh, are still dealing with the trauma of that because it is a lifetime trauma. It's the worst attack in America since Pearl Harbor. So, um, but this day also has some very special significance, which is why I'm here. September 11th, we believe, also was the real birthday of Jesus. Nothing wrong with celebrating on December 25th. Great thing about the September 11th date is, apart from the tragedies here in America that go with it, you know, there's none of the extra stuff that the added on that could kind of make sometimes December 25th you lose its shine after it's become so commercialized, and this one isn't. And so um, we'll show you why we we feel like it is September 11th. And a lot of that comes from the Magi and the prophecy and revelation and where the stars were at the time. It's actually so easy to determine this. It's probably more agreed upon than many other things. There are some other opinions among uh, Jewish folks and Christians. But I think it's becoming more and more accepted that it is September 11th. So let's talk Magi. You know, David was king of Israel around the year 1000 B.C. His kingdom splits in two. And after his son Solomon dies, eventually the ten northern tribes of Israel fall in 723 B.C. They're taken to Assyria, and most of them are never heard from again. 126 years later, 597 B.C., so about 600 years before Jesus, or 650, the southern kingdom of Judah... This was the tribe of David, and eventually Jesus was taken into captivity to Babylon by Assyrian king Nebuchadnezzar. After the fall of Babylon to the Persian king Cyrus the Great, which happened in 539 B.C., many returned home to Jerusalem. But many of the Jews of Judah, many did not return, and instead they made a life in Babylon. Now, the Magi, that word, were a class of hereditary scholar priests who first actually appear in Babylon in history. They were magicians, enchanters, and astrologists. Throughout their history, most of them never stopped practicing the occult. Even today, they follow someone uh, early on there called Zoroaster. They're Zoroastrians, and that's who the Magi are even today. But some did. Some followed the true living God, and some still do. Why? How? Well, go figure. They were heavily influenced by some of those Jewish captives, including Daniel, and their history and faith was quite different. So, some of the Magi, they were monotheistic. They believed in one God, like Israel. They had an altar which burned with a perpetual flame kindled by God from heaven. They had another altar where they offered blood sacrifices. They lit the fire to burn the sacrifice with flames 
off the perpetual altar. They ate the sacrifices. Now, listen, that is unique to Passover. There's no other people in all the world, no other cultures that do that. So that that is a direct Jewish link. They had a hereditary priesthood just like the Levites. So there's a lot of connections that track down through the centuries. All of those standards are found in only one place, and that's the Torah of Moses. They're the rules of the Levites and the Israelites given to them directly by God. So the Bible says this. King Nebuchadnezzar had a troubling dream, asked his astrologers and enchanters to tell him his dream, and interpret its being. Well, the astrologers answered the king, there's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. Now, keep in mind, he had threatened them with death, and they had only uh, had the occult. They were powerless. But God had appointed Daniel with the gift of interpreting dreams through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Daniel was able to describe and explain the king's great prophetic dream. So, we jump to Daniel 5. Because of Daniel's ability to interpret dreams and visions, he was appointed by Nebuchadnezzar and later by his son Belshazzar to be chief of the magicians, that's the master of the magi, is how it translates, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. So all of these guys who had no knowledge of God, suddenly Daniel, who's intimate with God, becomes the head. Now, Daniel didn't enchant, he didn't do astrology or divine, but he continued to lead the magi, serving in the courts of the Medes, which is King Darius, and the Persians, King Cyrus. When the decree of Cyrus came back that the Jews would go back to Israel, the majority of the Jews never went back. They stayed in Babylon. They intermingled. They intermarried. Some became rulers and some became Magi and retained their Jewish identity as the tribe of Judah following the God of Israel. The Magi continued to arise and were consulted by kings and rulers and tutors to nobles and princes. Darius the Great elevated the Magi over the state religion of Persia. They became the supreme priestly caste of the Persian Empire and continued to be prominent during the subsequent uh, Seleucid, Parthenian, or Sarsanian periods. That was the Greeks. At the time of Christ, in the Parthenian Persian Empire, the ruling house was called the Magistines. It was composed of Magi. One of their jobs was the selection of a king. They were kingmakers. At the time of Christ, they had just deposed their king, so they were looking for a new king for the Eastern Empire who could lead them against Rome. How significant is that? These guys had fought Rome twice in the previous 50 years. So... There was a little relationship issue there. Matthew 2 says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east, and understand when they say wise men from the east, that was literally what they were called because they had this extra knowledge, the dreams, the visions. So they were consulted for things like this. So wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star. And that's important. In the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, listen to the description. He was troubled or disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, the visit of the Magi was not a visit from three guys on camels. They traveled with Persian cavalry. So this is a small army detachment coming to visit. 
and the timing for war was very bad for Rome. Both Herod and Caesar Augustus were old. Tiberius, the commander of the Roman army, had retired. So Herod was troubled. Oh, yeah. The word in Greek there means shaking. So Herod is shaking at the arrival of these guys. Who are they? Are they somehow connected? So I'll, the next time we, I'll come back, it's called They Waited 540 Years to Return.